beginnings. If you haven't, if this is your first time here or you haven't, if you, or you've slept through all the other messages, um, we've been talking about new beginnings. And um, who has ever started something new, like especially at the beginning of the year, and a short time into it gone, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> like, I'm sure none of you have ever gotten married and then on your honeymoon or within the first year you go, oh, that was a mistake. Anyone? You don't have to put up your hand. Or the ladies... Oh, Luke. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that has happened, which is really bad. But anyway, giving birth, literally, within the first three or four hours, you go, oh my goodness, I don't want to do this anymore. Put it back. I don't want. It can stay there for forever. Or after a few short months of having a baby, who's got new babies? Jess? Alex would remember Candace. After a few months, you go, oh, why did we do this? Can we send it somewhere? I'm sure no mother ever thinks that. It's always the dads. I want my wife back. Or you start a new job, this amazing job, and then um, a few months in, you go, this is not what I expected. Um, or started a new exercise program, joined a gym. Has anyone joined a gym, gone about four times and go, oh, this isn't. Benito. No, I'm sure you've all done that. Everyone's done that. I've done that. Um, Maybe God's been talking to you about embracing a new beginning in in an area. Maybe you've needed a new start. Maybe that's what you want. It's not just been God. It's been, yes, this is the right time. Maybe you've been challenged to leave behind a destructive behaviour Or a toxic mindset. I'm sure none of you have any toxic mindsets. It's probably just me. But maybe that's what God's been talking to you about. Maybe it's a fear or an anxiety. Leaving behind an old habit. Starting a new one. Like deliberately connecting with God every day. Going for a walk along the beach and just mulling over God and the scripture that you might have read. Maybe God's been putting that on your heart and you've decided. Maybe you've decided this, from this season on you're going to be more open. You're going to trust people a bit more. You're going to let them in. That can be scary, hey. But maybe you've decided you need to talk to someone about the issues that you've wanted to deal with for forever And these last few weeks, you've gone, enough is enough, it's time to start afresh. But now, it all feels a bit too hard. Or even now it's okay, but in a few months' time, maybe, who knows where you're going to be. How do you keep a change? How, once you decide, you go, yes, this is, from now on, things are going to change. How do you keep it going until it becomes part of who you are? Because new beginnings are always, unfortunately, about change. It's about embracing something new. It could be lots or it could just be small. But new beginnings are also about leaving something behind. And more often than not, it's something we've gotten used to. Good or bad, we get used to things. We adapt. And even though we might want the change, it could still be really hard to leave that thing behind. We feel like everything is blowing against us and preventing us moving forward. As Damien mentioned earlier, I've recently just become an author. I've published a book. No, this is not my plug. But, you know, 20 years ago I had this idea 
and I was like so excited and I felt like this is what not only something that I loved as a person and this is what I can do but it's what I felt God maybe wanted me to do and it's taken years and years and years and then and I will not bore you with the details but finally I publish a book it's in my hand and I've got to get it out there and who knows the world of publishing writing is bad enough and then publishing it's like another planet it's like I would go to these workshops and they'd talk all this stuff that I didn't understand this and everyone knows everyone and you've got to do this and you've got to do that you've got to say this word and speak this language and I two or three times literally I just went this is too hard I can't do it I just can't do it and I felt overwhelmed even though this is something I've wanted for so long the, the, the pressure to just go, it's all too hard. I'll just write the book and my family can read it. It's hard sometimes, even though you really want something, sometimes everything seems to push against it. And I've got this really cool video that I want to show you. It made me laugh. I've watched it about four times and I just laugh every time. So if we could get that going. Not from, you have to go forward. Yep. So, and turn the music up because it's really awesome. Has anyone ever felt like this? Like, what wind is that strong? This one, to be honest, I don't even know what's on here. Like, there's a truck going on ice, people are trying to walk, and it's windy, and their coats flapping. But the next one's good, so you have to sit through this because you can't edit YouTube videos. So these look like Russians. So they're pretty tough, yet they're getting blown away. <clears throat> like literally, you have to crawl. Who's ever crawled along? That must be kids, surely. This is hilarious. Has anyone ever been in, in gale force winds ever? It's because we live in Adelaide. These people are hilarious. They're just getting blown along. Where do you think this is? Moscow. This is my favourite of all time. These two guys are trying to get that plank somewhere and you have to watch. He's holding literally onto the truck. This is very hilarious. Like they're two big, strong men. Come on, there's 
with you for goodness sake. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Come on, just lift it up. Come on. <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs> oh my goodness, they're so funny. Anyway, you get the gist about how hard it is to walk sometimes. Has anyone ever felt like that in life? One person, two people. Sometimes it just, hello, it just seems like you can't make any progress. In fact, you can't even stand still. You're just being pushed back. Well, in the Bible, uh, because this is a a church, so we're going to talk about the Bible The children of Israel are a really good example of of when they weren't able to continue and they just wanted to give up. They were slaves in Egypt and you probably all know or most of you would know about the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt and the Bible says they cried out to God because their slavery, their um, incarceration amongst the Egyptians was so horrible. So in Exodus verse 9 and 10 it says the Israelite cry for help has come to me this is God speaking and I've seen for myself how cruelly they've been treated by the Egyptians it's time for you talking to Moses to go back I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the people of Israel out of Egypt everyone's heard that set my people free so God sets them free from cruel and bitter slavery slaves like it's it was horrible The Israelites were really happy to be set free from slavery in Egypt, obviously, that makes sense. But have a look what happens. So in Exodus 16, it says, On the 15th day of the second month after they had left Egypt, so it hadn't even been two months, the whole company of Israel moved on from Elim to the wilderness of Sin. The whole company of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron there in the wilderness. The Israelites said, why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt, where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? You've brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. And then the next scripture, Numbers. So this is further on in their journey. The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. They must have been Italian. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in this wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country to kill us? Our wives and children are about to become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt and right now? Soon they were all saying it to one another. Let's pick a new leader. Let's head back to Egypt. Can you believe that? They've been set free from slavery, from from torture. I'm sure everyone's seen a movie about Moses setting the Egypt, uh, the Israelites free. They were, it was horrible. They they had to work long hours. They were whipped. They had no choice to do anything. And it, and in the early days, I know the Egyptian rulers even murdered their children. Like it was a horrible, horrible life. 
Yet here they are saying, we want to go back. Now, why did they want to go back? Was it because they were just useless? <laughs> Idiots? No, no one's an idiot. Don't use that word. No, it's because their new path was really hard. They had to face challenges they weren't used to. When it gets tough and discomfort and fear overwhelm you, it's hard to keep going. Even though you feel like the new challenge is what you need to do, let's be honest, sometimes it's really hard. But I believe that there's one simple action that ensures that you are strong and courageous. And that is standing. Standing your ground. You know, in war, standing your ground is a significant tactical strategy. And I know this because I'm a, a tactical expert in war. I've studied it and fought many battles. I've watched the movies, let's be honest. I've watched the movies and part of their strategy is they hold the ground. Like if they take a fort, they have to hold it. They can't just take it and then give it up. Or if they're in a position, they don't want the enemy to overrun them, so they've got to hold their position. Yeah, does everyone get that? <clears throat> Standing is what you do when you don't, when all you want to do is go backwards, but you know you shouldn't. <clears throat> and I believe there is a principle in God's kingdom called standing, that standing. And there's a couple of scriptures, I haven't got them all up here because it would have taken too long, but in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and 9, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Um, Peter says we need to stand firm. So what does it mean to stand? How do we stand? And how do you stand when all you want to do is run? When everything is coming at you with so much force, like that video, that you're sure you're just going to be knocked over. Well, I believe God has given us a way. And it's really awesome, and you probably all know it, it's called the armour of God. He asks you to put on his armour so that you will be able to stand. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. To stand. So the armour of God... The full armour of God is defensive. It's got one offensive weapon and five defensive. Why did God say, put on my armour but give you only one weapon to attack and five to defend? Because, brothers and sisters, our main task in battle is to stand, to stand in faith. God does the 
fighting. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We couldn't fight them even if we wanted to. God has to fight. And the only way he can fight is when we stand in faith with his armour on. So what is the armour of God? Ephesians 6, 13 to 17 tells us, Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we've got the belt of truth around your waist. I had to get David to bring my belt from home because my pants kept falling down. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a belt. I think, in the, I think in the armour days, though, the belt held the sword and a few other bits and pieces, so it wasn't just to hold your pants up, although that is pretty important if you're in a battle. <laughs> yeah. Take this. Oh, I can't do it with my hands. Anyway, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith to stop the flaming arrows, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now you guys have probably heard lots of messages on this. You've read the scripture or maybe this is the first time you're hearing it and you're going, oh goodness. But I want, and we could spend hours studying the armour of God and it, it would probably be like five or six sermons because there's so much in there. But I want to just highlight how powerful it is by an example, an illustration also from scripture because as I was looking at this I've discovered how incredible Jesus was at using the armor of God to uh, thwart off the attack of the enemy and the biggest illustration um, I think that shows this is when Jesus was being tempted when Jesus faced his big battle of temptation do you remember he'd just been baptized and then the Holy Spirit took him out into the wilderness and he didn't eat or drink anything for 40 days and then Satan comes to him and starts tempting him so he's weak he's not great physically what did Jesus do you know if that was me if I was out there I would have run away if he came, if he started um, tempting me. I'd probably just walk away, pretend I didn't notice him, or hide behind a rock. Although you probably wouldn't have the energy to run. But anyway, but Jesus didn't run away from the devil. He didn't even try to kill the devil. He didn't try to talk him out of tempting him. Like, oh, come on, can we not do this now? Because I'm actually really hungry and let's, let's do this in a week's time, if that's okay. He didn't set up a debate. I reckon that Jesus was quite intelligent and he probably could have held, held his own in an argument. So he probably could have out-talked the enemy, but he didn't. He just stood firm, quoted scripture at the devil and refused to buckle. His use of the word of God stopped the enemy from sinking him. But you know, have you ever thought, what was the aim 
of Jesus in this battle? What was Jesus' aim? Maybe if it was you or me, we, we would have gone, okay, here's our moment to, because I'm a really strong Christian, I'm going to defeat the enemy. I'm going to take my sword of the Spirit. I'm going to slash slash and cut and thrust and or I'm going to trip him up I'm going to I'm going to hurt him maybe I will call angels and they'll come and they'll attack him and and we'll defeat the enemy here and there and maybe I won't even have to go to the cross like who who knows if it was me I'd be like let's get this over and done with here because he's being horrible and attacking me when I'm really hungry but no when I thought about this I thought what was Jesus aim in this temptation And it was simply to stand firm. His aim in that temptation out of that confrontation with the enemy was not to be swayed, was not to go back, was not to give up, was not to to just fall in defeat. His aim was to stand. He just wanted to get out standing strong. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 4. Oh, I must have hit it by mistake. I got excited and hit the buttons too much. Matthew chapter 4. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written... Oh, sorry. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, every one of these responses, yes, they're scripture, but they use the armour of God. Every one of these responses, in every one of these answers, Jesus is using the armour of God. Every response is truth. Remember the belt of truth? Every response is truth. And every response relies on God as the answer. God is the deliverer. God is our righteousness. The gospel of Christ gives him firm footing. Every single time he refers back to God. He doesn't fight it with his own strength, with his own understanding, with his own faith, with his own ability. He says, God, God, God. It was all back to God. It was his faith in the scriptures in the truths that those scriptures contain that helped him to believe and stand firm. Adam and Eve chose to believe the serpent's lies but Jesus chose to believe God. Each response is looking to God for salvation, for God for rescue. In each each answer Jesus referred to God as the answer. You know, there are three basic things I believe that trip us up in life. And they are simply, my version of it is what we need, what we think we deserve and what we want. Those three things can make us give up, can make us fall into temptation. 
Jesus needed bread. He was starving. But he chose to trust God to provide, not succumb to the enemy's temptation. It would have been so easy and almost legitimate to go, yeah, I can make bread. God's given me my gifts and my talents and my whatevers. He won't mind. I'm hungry. But he didn't. He chose to rely on God to fulfill his needs, not some twisted liar that would make him use his God-given um, Holy Spirit-inspired gift to turn these stones into bread. You know, Jesus knew that he deserved angels to come and rescue him. He was the son of God. He knew he was the son of God. But he submitted his position to God and refused to be tempted. He chose to obey God rather than, than call down angels and have this display of hey, I'm important, angels come and rescue me. And Jesus, you know, Jesus' reason he came to earth was to help the people of earth. He came so that we could have relationship with God because the world was in a bad state. And you know, when the enemy showed him the kingdoms of the world and what was it, the, the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, you know, he would have shown them people kingdoms of the world is made up of people he would have seen all these people suffering and the pain and the anguish and the devil said to me said to him all this I will give you because you know the devil had dominion over the world God allowed the devil to be in uh, to have rule over the world and he is standing there saying to Jesus you can have it back you can have rule and dominion it's just one little catch but for Jesus, if it was me, I would have gone, well, that's the reason I came, was to, to help these people. I could help them. If I, you know, get rid of the enemy and bless them and help them and give them understanding and set them free, maybe I won't have to go to the cross. Maybe this is an easier way. I'm sure Jesus didn't think that. I would have. But, you know, Jesus knew that the little condition was that he had to worship the enemy and Jesus knew that his worship was only to be for God so Jesus chose to worship God even though it meant a harder path which led to the cross he knew that God would meet his hunger he knew that God would protect him if he was in danger he didn't need to prove it and God's plan for restoration of mankind was the one he was going with, not the enemy's suggestion. You know, what that shows is reliance on God, obedience to God, and worship of God. And you know, as I was preparing this, it suddenly hit me. That is how we access the gospel. That is the gospel of Christ. That is the, the gospel of salvation. When we become a Christian... We recognise and confess our state of sin and our need of God. We recognise that we are in a state that isn't good and we need change. We need a new beginning. We need God. When we come to God at our point of salvation, we, something has happened and we've gone, I am not getting it right. I need God. We confess our state to God and our need of him that is reliance on him and then we repent and we realize we need to change that is obedience that is when we go God my way hasn't worked I need your way 
because you are incredible, I'm going to obey you. And then we choose to follow him as Lord, to have relationship with him. And that's worship. That's all worship is, to just love him. You know, we underestimate the power of standing because we like to do things. We like to fix things. We like to get our two cents in. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything. You all know there's, there's personal responsibility. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a battle when you've done everything and it's just too hard and you can't. Standing in faith on what God has put within your heart. Eugene Peterson, I think Ben might have quoted this a while ago. He said, success is long obedience in the same direction. Just not giving up, just continuing to obey. You know, there's a really incredible example of standing and seeing God do an incredible miracle and it's in the Old Testament again, it's about the Gideon and the Midianites. Um, um, the Israelites once again were in a battle and God comes to this guy who doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. I won't tell you the whole story but basically he's ended up with an army of I think 300 and the Midianite army is thousands and thousands. Like it was just an impossible battle. But God gave Gideon a strategy. And I'll read it. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. So they're broken up into three groups, 100 in each. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to, fast, fled to places as far away as Beth, Shitter, and a couple of other spots. <laughs> Just silly names. The Israelites stood as God saved them. God fought the battle. You know, when it feels, when it all feels like it's too hard and you just want to give up or go back, I just want to encourage you today to stand with the armour of God and watch God do a miracle. God, it's all about God. It is all about God. Every one of those um, armours, is all about God. We forget, I forget, but I want to remind you today that all you need to do is stand, but you're not standing on your own. You're standing with God, God's righteousness, God's redemption, God's salvation, God, the gospel of Christ, the very gospel of Christ when Jesus came and died. That is what you're standing on. That's your shoes. That's the thing that is holding you is the gospel. I just want to 
um, close and I just want you to maybe close your eyes. We're just going to spend a moment and I want you to just talk to God and, and just allow him to encourage you and to speak to you. Maybe some of you have been distracted and you've looked around at other things or your own ability or the strength of your faith, your own strength. God wants to remind you this morning that it is not about you. It is about Him. It is all about Him. You know, the armour of God needs to be put on, needs to be put around you. And when people... Look at someone who's encased in armour. That's what they see first. They see the armour before the person. We have to remember to hide yourself in God. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is the one who protects your mind from the enemy's lies. He is the one that protects your heart from the attacks that just seem to, to take the wind out of you and, and hurt so much. God is the one. God loves you so much. He knows life is tough. That's why He's given you everything you need to stand, to stand firm and to not be overwhelmed by life and to live a prosperous, fruitful life. And maybe if that's you, maybe God's put challenge on your heart these last few weeks and and you've gone yes I want God I want to change I want a new beginning but you're just finding it hard well I just encourage you right now just to pray again God help me help me to rest in you help me to to realize that it's all about you and maybe maybe if you pray God if I just stand if I just refuse to buckle, God, I want you to fight the battle. The battle that seems that I think is going to overwhelm me. God, you fight that battle. I'm just going to stand, but you fight. I'm just going to stand in you, but God, you defeat the enemy. You defeat the attack. You stop the gale force wind blowing against me. God, you be my strength. It's about you and God. It's not about anyone else.